0: Brave's, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia. It's the Bill Shank show.
1: Our number 2 of our broadcasts. Welcome back and thank you very much for joining us on Bill Shank's broadcasting live from Victory Lane Auto Sales, 2600 Watson Boulevard here in Warner Robins. Again, 478-922-8870, 922-8870. VictoryLaneAutos.com, VictoryLaneAutos.com. We hope if you're in the market for a used vehicle that you will go online and check out their selection and then come by here at 2600 Watson Boulevard in Warner Robins. Right now, let's talk a little football with Dear Orlando Ledbetter, the great beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution uh, on the Atlanta Falcons, and he is back from the Super Bowl as well. All right, so how much did you lose? Just be honest with us.
2: Uh, no, I didn't lose a thing cuz I, I don't partake <laughs> in that festivity. <laughs> I, well, well, that's good. I'm g- I'm glad. Yeah, yeah, I didn't uh yep, I didn't even uh, come close to losing.
1: <laughs> w- weren't weren't tempted then, huh?
2: No, I, uh I'm a, I I'd rather spend my money on beer. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. There you
1: go. Well, and then, in years past, if you spent enough money at the tables and the, the slots, they'd give you the dr- drinks. But not anymore. I don't think so.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how that works anymore. But yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't see the little girls walking around with the free drink cards either.
1: <laughs> no, I don't think they have that much anymore, uh, for sure. So, what were your impressions on Vegas as a host city for the Super Bowl? Did they do a good job?
2: Oh, yeah, you can't really mess Vegas up. Um, the uh, one, one thing was that, uh, you know, the weather, you know, Vegas is usually smoking hot in August, but uh, in February, it was kind of chilly. So it was more like San Francisco hosting the Super Bowl. But uh, all the bells and whistles were there. Uh, you can move around the Strip pretty good via the Uber system they have. Uh, so, yeah, I was able to move around. And, and, uh, you know, enjoy some of the festivities.
1: You weren't the one that jumped on top of that sphere, were you?
2: No, no, that's, yeah, that's way, yeah. uh, I left, leave leave that for the young folks.
1: (laughs) That was kind of scary, even to hear about that. It's like a, that's like a bad dream, driving, uh, walking up that thing. Well, um, and, and your thoughts on on the game itself. Uh, is, is Kyle Shanahan, is he uh, too smart to learn from his past mistakes?
2: Yeah, it's pretty clear, pretty clear that he is. Uh, you know, third and four pass play again, and then he gets mad because it didn't work. And, uh, you know, yeah, McCaffrey was breaking open on the right. Uh, same thing like Matt Ryan on the end cut to Julio. Yeah, he breaking open, but he got a free runner in his face. So you can't get the ball over there. So same thing happened uh, in Super Bowl 58. That happened to him in Super Bowl 51. At least it was a little bit different in 54. But, yeah, he just refuses to uh, recognize that, hey, maybe I need to run the ball in this situation, especially when he got the running back. That was red hot, had 180, 160 yards combined. And if he can't get me four yards and two carries, then, um, you know, I'll go home.
1: I'm with you. I, I was just shocked that he didn't use McCaffrey even more than he did. And uh, those first three drives the second half to have one running play when he had the lead, it, to me it just made no sense knowing that your defense was going to have to – going to have to handle Mahomes homes at some point and uh and and but i i think the not knowing the overtime rules the players to admit that uh, on monday that that was shocking wasn't it
2: uh yeah it is uh or yeah it was because you know they were new so i understand that um you know that 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 was the first time doing it but uh, in contrast, Andy Reid had been telling his players about them all for the last uh, four or since the playoffs started. So Kyle yep. was like, oh, uh, in typical Shanahan pass the buck fashion, was like, oh, you know, we, do, we uh, talked about it as assistant coaches, and each uh, assistant coach is supposed to get his position group ready. I'm like, okay, now that's passing the buck of the highest order. So his team wasn't prepared, right. Andy Reid's team was prepared and they executed near flawlessly in overtime.
1: Daryl, uh, yesterday on the show, we have a little thing we have, uh, throw them under the bus Thursday when we throw someone under the bus. I threw Kyle Shanahan under the bus, and of course we just talked about several of the reasons why he deserved to be under there, but the worst for me was the fact that he fired Steve Wilkes it reminded me of, and, and I know there may be some different circumstances, but still, right after the Super Bowl when the Falcons lost, they fired Brian Cox, and you and I have talked about this over the years, and I, I loved Brian Cox. I mean, from afar, I didn't know him. But I just thought he was a really good coach, and I couldn't get why after the Super Bowl he was the one that, that got let go. But Wilkes did not deserve that, did he?
2: Uh, no, he didn't, uh, and he was running somebody else's defense, had him ranked in the top ten, uh, you know, held Patrick Mahomes to one touchdown, 19 points, so he wasn't a problem. Uh, you know, if they didn't get along, that was personal, uh, but sometimes you, you you know, have to, uh, you know, put your personal differences aside. Uh, you know, Bosa said he wasn't ready for the RPO, so I don't know if that's the coach's fault or his fault. Um, you know, you got to play football at some point, uh, but yeah, that that was very disturbing that he can fire Steve Wilkes like that uh, and say it wasn't a good fit when Steve Wilkes gave him a chance to win the game that he blew. Yeah,
1: I agree. I agree completely. I was I was shocked by it, but I guess I shouldn't be too shocked about uh, any anything these days. All right, um, you, you guys had the opportunity to. To meet some of the assistant coaches for Raheem Mars's staff uh, earlier this week, what were your impressions of the coordinators?
2: Yeah, I wasn't there for that. We um, I had to teach that okay, day, sorry. so we uh, sent Ken Segura, uh, Michael Cunningham, and our, our intern Louis Price from Northwestern, and they covered it pretty well. Ken took the DC, uh, uh, Mike took the OC, and the. Uh, and Price did the five things we learned, and they covered, you know, what Zach Robinson's looking for in a quarterback, uh, how they plan to move forward. He basically wants Massey Stafford clone, uh, as what he wants. And then defensively, you know, um, Jimmy Lake uh, kind of ran away from Ken asking him about his his, uh, episode at the University of Washington, um, you know, when he was uh, accused of uh, hitting a player and then shoving him in the back, which led to him. Uh, taking a 9.9 uh, million dollar buyout there, uh, but um, yeah, but you know wants to play defense. He's hooked with uh, Raheem, and, and so that was a good column there by Ken, and uh, you know so the coordinators were handled that way. Uh, you know, kind of talking circles about the quarterback situation, and then yesterday I was out there for some of the assistant coaches and got to talk with T.J. Yates, uh, Barrett Rude, Dwayne Ledford back Mike. Uh, Michael uh, Petrie and uh Justin Hood, he's a new secondary coach. And mm. then uh one of the uh, linebackers, Ben Rude's the linebacker coach so I tried to hit and Jay Rogers is the defensive line coach. He's very interesting. He was one one of the um he won the Turlich, John Turlick defensive line coach of the year award in two thousand eighteen. But so that's recognized as one of the best D line coaches in the league. So uh that's good to know about uh, you know, having that kind of coaching talent up front.
1: Absolutely, no question. What are your thoughts on Dwayne Ledford coming back? What does that mean for this offensive line since he's had them for a few years now?
2: He said it wasn't um, a forget uh, a foregone conclusion he was going to come back. You know, they uh, had to work some stuff out. And um, But when he talked with Raheem and the way Raheem wants to play and get after it, he said, "Well, hey, we got the guy to do that right here already. So he's so he's fired up about it. Uh, we got a um, a video online about you know me talking to him about uh, uh, him staying and being added to the as the run game coordinator. So it's going to be a collaboration on that uh, because uh, Zach Robinson doesn't know anything about the run game. I've heard, I've been told. So so they got to mirror it up together with the run game." and the passing concept that, that, uh, that Zach Robinson will bring and uh, keep it moving. They don't know if they're going to keep stay with the outside zone or do the gap power run schemes the Rams were doing last year.
1: D. Linda Lidbetter is our guest. We're talking about the Atlanta Falcons. He, of course, is with the Atlanta Journal of Constitution, AJC.com. You mentioned uh, the comment about Robinson would love a Matthew Stafford clone, and that would be great. Sure, absolutely. But, of course, we know there's going to be a lot of connection between the the Falcons and Justin Fields. Um, It seemed like Atlanta and Pittsburgh are the two teams linked most with him. Seems like a foregone conclusion. Chicago is going to go down that road and, and trade him and keep the pick or at least pick a quarterback somewhere early in the draft. Uh, so what, what are your thoughts about that? Do, do you think this group would want Justin Fields? And, and what do you think the price could
0: be?
2: Yeah, the, um, but they certainly would uh, uh, want him. And, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins would be the more desirable one if he comes free. Uh, and, um, you know, there will be some competition for Justin. They're going to look at every uh, – you know, they're going to try to unturn every stone. Uh, Terry didn't want to talk about it. He was on Steve's show, uh, yesterday, Steve Weiss' show, and he, he's like, hey, Steve, I can't talk about that. That's tampering. Then I'll lose all my <laughs> draft picks I got. So, you know, they're aware of it, but they don't want to get hit with tampering. Um, and I haven't seen the, um, the Jimmy Johnson chart on what a trade would be. I'm sure the, uh, the Bears are going to want a one in there, maybe a two. I'm thinking a two and a player should do it. I wouldn't do much more than that uh, and, and then just go to the draft if we can't work out a deal on that.
1: Yeah, I, I heard the interview between Terry and, and Steve, and Steve did ask him kind of in generalities, okay, what do you think about someone who you may have passed over in a previous draft and getting better? And And that's what I want to ask you. I mean, we've seen Justin Fields two years in a row here against the Falcons. I don't, I don't think there's any question that he was better in 23 than he was in 22. But what are your thoughts on his ability to continue to get better and of what he would be surrounded with if he were the quarterback here in Atlanta?
2: Yeah, I think he um, – uh, yeah, we saw him last year, and he basically just was throwing the one receiver, D.J. Moore, and uh, the Falcons couldn't really stop it. So, you know, working pretty good. And so then he likes to run on third downs, and they couldn't stop it. But, you know, if you're going to be a championship level team, you got to build his game all the way out. You know, he's got to spread it uh, to Dijon, to Kyle, to Drake. And so that would be on TJ Yates and uh, Zach Robinson to, you know, help flush out his game. You know, he's just a running quarterback and a one read guy now. So, but that's good. I mean, it's a. Uh, they haven't won a lot of games with it, but you know it beat the Falcons up there. Uh, but yeah, you got to build out his game. He's uh, been beat up up there. You, you got to protect him a little bit. Uh, but yeah, you could definitely uh, play with play with him for sure. After we saw, uh, you know, uh, Desmond last year with the 12 uh, interceptions, 12 fumbles, seven loss uh, last year, not to, not taking care of the ball.
1: Yeah, obviously that's a. Huge part of it, but do you think that Fields' arm it can get better and his accuracy got a little bit better? It's still a little low percentage, their completion percentage. But so you think there there is room for improvement for him to continue to? I mean, because I I think from one year to another is good, but it, it's there's a long way to be that kind of quarterback that can really lead this team for the long term, isn't it?
2: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, but we saw him throw crossing routes in college um you know i want to see some touch you know a lot of fastball guys don't uh, never ever figure out how to throw with touch i don't know if you could teach that but um it certainly be worth a try you know to you know you gotta throw uh you know swing past the B John. you don't need to make it 90 miles an hour he's right there just you know float it out there so and then you know hitting Kyle Pitts over the middle uh you know cam um Cam Newton's got 10, 12 years in the league doing that to Greg Olson. You know, he's never used his receivers either. So, uh, But, um, you know, certainly can play with him. My idea. Uh, but, uh, you know, definitely would be an upgrade. So I could see you trading for Justin and then, um, you know, deciding whether you're going to stay with him or, uh, you know, go back in the draft and uh, get your more traditional quarterback.
1: Darrell, what's the status of the pick that they're going to get from Jacksonville? Do they have to wait to see if the Jaguars extend Ridley before they know what they're going to get?
2: Yeah, that's it. That's uh, that's part of it. That's a big part of that deal. Uh, if they work out an extension by, you know, the uh, new league year, which is March 13th, uh, they'll know what the, what the pick is, you know, going into the April draft. Into April is the draft there, so. Uh, You know, got a little bit of time here. I'm thinking they uh, Jacksonville wants to re-sign him. They're not going to break the bank. He had too many drops last year. But, um, you know, I don't believe he's headed to free agency either. So we'll see um, how that develops, you know, right around the start of the league business year.
1: So if they re-sign him, is it a second they get? Yeah, it's a second. It moves up, yep. Okay, so it would be a third if they do not re-sign him, correct? Right.
2: That is you just wonder if that.
1: You just wonder if that could be the currency in a deal for for Justin Fields, right? I mean, that would. Oh yeah,
2: no doubt. It would be that simple. Definitely
1: be it. Yeah, I would think so that too. All right, final final question. We're, we're several weeks away from from free agency, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Are they around thirty million under the cap right now? Is that right?
2: Yeah, 26. they can get all the way up to okay. 46 with some cuts and everything. Um, you know, a lot of that, um, the, the staff just got in here this week. So first order of business is going over the roster. It's like, hey, we like this guy. Hey, this guy, kick rock. Uh, hey, we, you, you know, uh, going through the roster like that. And then, um, you know, it's like, hey, this guy's making too much. Call him in if he's going to take a cut or not. You know, you will hear about some salary cap casualties here uh, right before March. Uh, that first week in March coming out of the combine, uh, they'll probably, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really see the lot of dead money, but there is some, and, and they can take care of that here in the next couple of weeks.
1: All right. Well, it's going to be fun to see what happens. They'll be here before you know it for sure. Daryl, always great to have you on. Thanks for taking some time this afternoon. We hope you'll get a little bit of a break now that the Super Bowl is over and a little bit of rest, but uh, we thank you every week, of course, for coming on the show with us. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Sure, no problem, Bill. Thanks for having me.
1: All right, D. Orlando Ledbetter, our guest, talking Atlanta Falcons football, and again, the – Quarterback situation, front and center for Raheem Morris and Terry Fontenot. They've got to figure out what to do. And, and as we said on Monday after watching the Super Bowl and watching a, uh, a great performance again by, well, really both quarterbacks, to get to that level, you just have to have, you have, to have really great talent at that position. You can't horse around at the quarterback position. And so um, – it's a huge decision. I mean, Terry Fontenot is making a decision that could really dictate his legacy as the GM of the Atlanta Falcons. That's why Thomas Dimitrov was very fortunate in that he had, as his first draft pick, was Matt Ryan. And uh, that that's a, a tremendous asset for a GM to have that in your back pocket that, okay, well, I took Matt Ryan at number three. I, I, I could have loused that pick up easily and and uh, taking Glenn Dorsey from LSU like dumb Bill Shanks was wanting to do in Georgia. But thankfully, uh, he, he took Matt Ryan, even though I thought Ryan was too skinny. He's still too skinny. He still needs to go to the steakhouse restaurant in Hawkinsville. But he was great, obviously. He was great. And for Dimitrov to do that right off the bat, my gosh. I mean, that, again, in a way, even though Dimitrov got fired – A while later, he had a long run as the GM of the Atlanta Falcons, and mainly because his tenure as the GM mirrored practically, basically, the tenure of Matt Ryan. And um, that's how important this selection is going to be, whether it is a Kirk Cousins or free agent or it is a draft pick or whatever they're going to do, trade for Justin Fields. It's just so hard, so difficult. I mean, I I tell you, general managers who have – quarterbacks fall on their lap. And I was listening to the audio the other day, uh, and I can't remember the gentleman's name, so forgive me for not knowing the name, of the GM in, who was in Kansas City who drafted Mahomes. And it was it was right after this guy, uh, Dorse, Dor. I just said Dorsey with Glenn Dorsey. Was it, Dor, Dor, is it Dorsey? Was his name Dorsey too? What was his name? But anyway, it doesn't matter. The former Kansas City Chiefs general manager, who was the GM the year they drafted Patrick Mahomes. And and the video was from right after the draft when he was basically taking up for himself for drafting Patrick Mahomes. He he was explaining why he thought Patrick Mahomes was the guy. And, you know, this guy had a – I think it was John Dorsey, I believe, now that I say that. This guy had a just a true belief in – and his convictions of why Patrick Mahomes was going to be a great quarterback, that he was going to be the next quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. And, my gosh, he's won three Super Bowls in five years. And and now, was that guy lucky or good? Well, maybe a little bit of both, that obviously other teams passed on Patrick Mahomes and did things like take Mitchell Trubisky with the third pick in the draft, like Chicago did. And that was ridiculous. We all know that. But you know what? That guy in Chicago, Ryan Pace, as a matter of fact, who's now in the Falcons' front office, he, he really believed in Mitchell Trubisky. And that's that in itself is, is a prime example of why picking a quarterback is so difficult. Both of those general managers in that same year felt very strongly about their selections at the quarterback position. One was right, and one was really, really wrong. And, you know, that's almost the – percentage of being successful when you have to make that kind of decision at that level with a quarterback it's hard Desmond Ritter obviously didn't work out and you know we could get into blaming Mr. Smith about that a little bit because of his piss poor handling of that young man but regardless you know he just didn't have it he didn't have that skill set and I you know I'm worried for the Falcons this is going to be difficult. It's going to be tough, and I, I, I wish I knew the answer of what it was supposed to be. What, what the? Hey, I want this guy. You know, I'm, I'm usually pretty convicted myself on a, on a stance of, all right, I want to go get this guy. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I, I'm not trying to avoid criticism of something that I may want as far as a quarterback, but is it Fields? You know, I'm not comfortable having. 35, 36-year-old quarterbacks make 50, $40 million plus after they've had Achilles surgery, so I'm not really on the Kirk Cousins bandwagon. I guess I could jump on there as long as he could jump up there too with his torn Achilles, which he's got to recover from. Um, and then do they go and wait for the draft? I just I don't know. It's, it's going to be, though, a huge decision. There's no question about it. The Phillies are signing Whit Merrifield. a a utility man who plays all over the place. John Morosi is reporting this from MLB Network, that uh, the Phillies are signing one of the better free agents left on the market, Whit Merrifield, formerly with Kansas City, and then formerly recently with the Toronto Blue Jays. And uh, he has signed with the Phillies, or is signing with the Phillies with an agreement right there. So, um, uh, that's a good pickup for him. I told you earlier in the week the Phillies have not really made many improvements to their team. That's an improvement. He's a good player. There's no question about it. All right, we're going to open up the phone lines. We'll check on the Georgia and Georgia Tech scores when we come back. We are at Victory Lane Auto Sales here in Warner Robins at 2600 watson boulevard here in warner robbins the phone number is 922-8870 922-8870 and again the website victorylanealtos.com victorylanealtos.com that is the website go and check out the great uh, selection of vehicles on their website every car they have on the lot they have on that website at victorylanealtos.com our phone number is area code 478 646-3776 six, six, seven, seven, ESPN is of course the final four four seven eight six four six ESPN. We'd love to hear from you here on this Friday. We got all kind of things to talk about. We'll be back with you more sports talk and more phone calls on this Friday from Warner Robbins, right after this. program here 428 is the time JRad on twitter sent me a, a little blurb about a mock draft that had the falcons taking jj mccarthy at number eight um and i clicked on the story here and jj mccarthy is looked at as a very polarizing prospect I, and I, I want to see I want to see JJ McCarthy in the combine I, I, again. I'm I'm so on the fence about some of these guys. I I would like to see him more in the in the combine. It actually had in the CBS mock draft had the Rams taking JJ McCarthy at number 19 in in their mock draft. I just clicked on that. I don't know if I like this mock draft because it has Brock Bowers falling to 15. If Brock Bowers is the 15th best player in this draft, there better be some damn good football players in this draft. I can tell you that. They've got the Falcons taking Dallas Turner at number eight, and we know that's going to be a a very possible scenario for the Falcons. It looks like Turner's going to be available at eight. And if the Falcons do not trade up for a top three quarterback, you know, then I, I think that could be a possibility where Dallas Turner could be the guy. The the article about McCarthy uh, said that multiple sources have told uh, NFL Draft, uh, well, I'm sorry, this was a, uh, another website, that the NFL is higher on J.J. McCarthy than we may have thought and that at least one NFC team has J.J. McCarthy as their number two rated quarterback in the draft. Is that the Falcons? I have no clue. But it's, again, we're going to have a million rumors. And when we see something, we'll throw it out there for you. But is J.J. McCarthy that good? I, I don't know. I mean, that seems a little high for me, but maybe not. Maybe J.J. McCarthy should right be there with May and Daniels and Williams. I don't know. Seems a little high to me. Danny and Savannah leads us off. Hello, Danny.
3: Hey Bill, how you doing today, man? I'm good. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, we packing a few things up, but you know about about the uh, about the Falcon their quarterback situation. Uh, and the defense been pretty good. They've been good enough to win some games, right?
1: Well, uh, I mean, I think the defense is better this year. I don't think the defense was great. I I, I think the defense was noticeably better, but they had noticeably better talent. They had Kalias Campbell, they had Bud Dupree, they had Jesse Bates. I think David Onyemata, despite the injuries, was a better presence there on the defensive line. Yes, it was better, but still could use more help, I think.
3: Absolutely. So uh, what, what would be more important to you, an edge rusher, offensive lineman, or maybe
1: a quarterback? Well, um, you know, I, I I think the offensive line situation with, with them retaining the offensive line coach Ledford, it seems to me that there may not be many changes on the offensive line. That they they may keep the the status quo there. Um, may be wrong, but I mean, I just kind of get the sense that's a possibility that the guys on that offensive line for the Falcons may be back next year with with Ledford. I think Ed rusher would be something that would be good. I mean, Arnold Ibakiti has shown some promise, but I, I I think Dallas Turner would be someone that you would definitely have to look at. You know, if if they got a man crush on Daniels, then it, it just depends on it depends on the price. I mean, how much is that going to cost? Um, And I don't know.
3: Well, I mean, you know, I think he they say he may go at three, so uh, the Falcons are at eight. I, he would be my quarterback, Bill. I have to go all in on him. And uh, it cannot be Penix Jr. or something like that. He's got too many medical issues. He will not last in the NFL wherever he goes. He just got his knees and he was holding his ribs or his gut in the uh, national championship game. He's got medical issues, so I, Daniels would be my man. Move up, whatever you got to do, and get him and get him
1: going. Well, uh, it may be the direction they go. I wouldn't be surprised at all, Danny. Uh, y'all be careful this weekend, moving to God's country. Thank you very much for your call. By the way, the dogs uh, are are on front, in front rather five to one third home run of the day for the dogs and dylan goldstein has hit a home run how about that and uh anthony dasher just tweeted a little while ago that charlie conden had a double with an a double with an exit velo of 118.2 miles per hour oh my god yeah charlie conden's pretty good um uh, Yep, five one Georgia. So we'll keep an eye on that from Athens. Jeremy in Memphis is next. Hello, Jeremy.
0: Hey, Bill. Actually, I I just started listening to your show. I've been watching that Georgia game, and um, so anyway, Condon's so good, Bill. He took he had a walk, but he and then um, I think he had a single the first time, and he had a walk in the second at bat. They had three and zero. I mean, this weren't gonna pitch him and left one over the plate, and he hit it hit it to the wall. He kind of. He should have hit a home run. He kind of – he didn't get enough of it. They got lucky there, but he hit it to the wall. But he's just so good. I mean, he's going to get a lot of walks this year. Because they just not going to pitch to him.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, and if there's some bats around him, they're going to score some runs. And that, that that's where the pitching, like I said earlier, comes into play. If if Wes Johnson gets that pitching staff better with the runs they're going to score, they could be better. I mean, it's, the SEC so tough, it's – you don't know – you better in the SEC may not get you out of the top ten. I mean, it, it's ridiculous how good those teams are in baseball in the SEC.
0: Yeah, I was telling Jeff. I called Jeff show yesterday and talked to him. We were talking about. It. I mean, this team can win, go twelve and eighteen in the conference. I think they could also go eighteen and twelve. They've got they've got a lot of good hitters, <laughs> and they got a lot of pitchers that I think are uh, are talented, but 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 are, are young. And then they got a lot of transfers If these guys, if these pitchers, come together and pitch like they're capable of. They could be pretty well. Like this guy, Layton Finley, who's going to start Sunday, he did well in the Cape Cod here at league last summer, and he's a sophomore. He's really talented. you got guys like that that have a lot of ability, and if they turn the corner, this team actually could win 17 or 18 games. So it's one of those things that there's kind of a wide range of what they could do this year. So the bats will be there. It's just a question on how quick the pitching comes around.
1: Yeah, I've read about this kid from um, for Sunday uh, the transfer, and, and I'm anxious to see him too. I mean, you just got to have pitching. You know, they, they just have not had good pitching the last several years, and I don't think it was Scott's fault necessarily. I mean, the year they were supposed to be good was, of course, Emerson Hancock called Wilcox, and, and the Chinese virus nipped that in the bud. But still, it's like, you know, other than that, other than those two, they just haven't had those big arms.
0: Yeah, I think I – think- i do not sure like Philly's gonna go Sunday and Ragma's gonna go Saturday to transfer but or vice versa, but um, but there's a lot of potential there so so we'll see what happens, but I think they could have a pretty good year. A Couple of things on on Atlanta now, i like to I just started to hear listen to your show, but I don't know if you talked about this, but a couple of things. So first of all, apparently Rama Acuna has made it known that he basically wants to tear up his contract, wants a new contract. Um, if if that if that happens, they're gonna to have to pay him a, a of money, and it could it could certainly cost you who you could sign especially like the freeze of the world going forward. but um it's gonna be interesting what happens. I mean, you know I think he'll play this year with this contract, but I don't know if Atlantic could get in play next year unless they tear up the contract. It's gonna be pretty interesting. I know Alex doesn't want to do that, but but he wants another contract, and I don't blame him. I mean he's gonna make not near anywhere close what he should be making. so this is gonna be pretty interesting.
1: He's going to be making 85 million dollars the next five years. There's three years plus two team options for 17 million a year. I mean, he signed the contract, you know, and I understand him wanting to be highly paid. He's one of the best players in the sport, but this needs to benefit the Braves too. And I, I don't, you know, I'll, I'll leave it to Alex to try to figure that out. I, 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 I know that Alex would love to to sign him for the rest of his career, just like. Ronald would like to be here for the rest of his career. I mean, why why would he not? And why would the Braves not? Um, of course, you have to worry about luxury tax crap and, and how much that's going to play into the equation. I don't think it happened this year. I think it would happen uh, next offseason because the one thing they could do is, is you know, if Max leaves and... Charlie Morton leaves and A.J. Minter leaves I mean that's 40 million dollars right there for those two and then if they didn't pick up the options for Azuna and Darno I mean that could be another what 20 million I mean so I, I, w- I would think anything like that would wait until this upcoming off season. and of course Max's deal may matter about that I mean I, I want to keep Max free their whole, his whole career. You know, he might, he might not come out and say it like Ronald Acuna did, but, I mean, I want for Max Freed to be a brave for life. I'm sounding like Arthur Blank here, but I do. I mean, I just think I think this kid is the best pitcher they've had since the Big Three. I really do. And Spencer may take over for that. And maybe if Max leaves, we'll say, well, Spencer's under contract for several years, that he could be the brave for life. But I just think when you have something special like Max, you, you keep him. So, I think the next off season is going to be kind of a, a a fork in the road here for the Braves. they got to decide on Max, and you know they may decide that they don't want Max because they want to have Ronald get more money starting next year. So it's going to be interesting, but I'm glad he at least said it because it's good. I mean, it's good to hear that he wants to stay here this whole career, and I, I'd be shocked if he and Ozzie both don't want to stay here his whole career, and they should and he should. Uh, Alex and Thomas ought to want them their whole career, in my opinion.
0: Well, you know, if if he's gonna make, if he gets his true market value, gets probably thirty to forty million a year, obviously. And he's he's making in the teens. He's way underpaid. Uh-huh. Now the thing is, if he gets thirty five or forty million a year, or something like that, there, I don't think there's any way they can keep Max. Now, it, it, one thing I think Ronald needs to understand is. Is it, yeah, on the back end, this is not really friendly to him, but on the front end, when they bought his arbitration years, they overpaid the first two or three years, then they didn't have to give him that much where he would have made less. So hopefully if they do have to redo his contract, he doesn't ask for the max. Obviously he makes he wants to make more than $18 million a year or whatever, but instead of asking for the max, maybe he'll come off it a little bit because Atlanta did do him a favor in the beginning to, to eat up his arbitration years.
1: Well, they did, and and you're right, and that's a very good point. And I think that, you know, at some point these these guys have to balance happiness with what they really want to do financially. I mean, it's easy for certain players to say, well, I want to be the highest-paid player in the sport. I'm one of the best players in the sport, so pay me more than anybody else. But you know, I I, I think someone like Ocunyan and Ozzy are going to be very careful about that, because I mean, like them signing their long-term contracts early, like they did, I I just I'll really be surprised if they ever play anywhere besides Atlanta. I may be wrong, but I I just I think those those two in particular are going to be
0: hard to drive away. And then the other thing I wanted to ask you about, and I don't know if you mentioned this, did you see what happened on Cole Phillips? No. So he just he he hurt his arm again and they said he's gonna be out all of this year and most of next year. Wow, uh, did he really? Yeah, that that's such a tough blow. But I because I think he's uber talented. And and that makes me feel better about the Kelnick deal because I'm not a big fan of that. I mean he's been an average hitter so far. We'll see what he does. But oh, the fact wow. that
1: Phillips had another Tommy John surgery. Wow.
0: Yeah. So they don't expect them back I just, to make the saw back in of next year. Yeah. So that wow. that makes that deal look a lot better now for the Braves, the fact that that, that Cole's going to be out a couple more years. So um, that's kind of interesting. The Atlanta got lucky there because you trade away Cole, who's a top prospect, and now he can't pitch for two at least two more years. Wow.
1: That's something. I hate it for that kid. Uh, you know, I hope he'll come back somehow. That's – that's rough. He was a talented kid in high school. That's for sure, and I, I hate to hear that. But you're right; it does help the Braves for sure. Jeremy, have a good weekend. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. All right, four seven eight six four six ESPN. Never wanted a player to get hurt, but a young man who it was a second round pick, who the Braves believed in, and then boom—he now has a second Tommy John surgery. That's that's such a shame. That's that's because uh, that kid was athletic. He Braves loved him. I mean, they, they really liked that kid, and I, I had not heard that. That's that's a shame. All right, 478 646 ESPN. We are at Victory Lane Auto Sales here in Warner Robins, 2600 Watson Boulevard. We'd love to talk sports with you. Join us at 478 646 ESPN. We're back with more sports talk right after this. <laughs> 447 is our time back on the show. Thanks for being with us. We're at Victory Lane Auto Sales, VictoryLaneAutos.com. VictoryLaneAutos.com, 922-87, excuse me, 922-8870 is the phone number here on Watson Boulevard. By the way, so we were talking about Ronald Acuna because of the comments he made today. CBS Sports tweeted out, Ronald Acuna expressed his desire for new Braves contract with five years remaining on his deal. So they have that headline, and then Justin Toscano, who we had on the show earlier this week from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, came on Twitter and wrote, just want to clarify something after seeing this tweet. I simply asked Ronald Acuna if he'd want to be a Braves for his entire career. I even prefaced By saying, I knew he had a handful of years left on his deal. His tone wasn't that he wants a new contract now. He just loves the Braves. So another example of a website taking something that was said and running with it. Again, um, I, I understand that Ron Acuna should be paid more than $17 million, but he signed the contract. And so, I, you know, I, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense that, oh, well, he wants a new contract. Again, the Braves have him under contract for three more years at $17 million per year, plus two more option years in 27 and 28 at $17 million. So that's basically five more years at $17 million a year. It's the best bargain in baseball, folks, because, again, I don't know how he's not worth two and a half times that someone who's putting up his numbers, it, it, it's just kind of crazy. I, I mentioned earlier this week that I, when I was doing the show, I was watching uh, the uh, documentary that the MLB Network did a couple of years ago on Johnny Bench. And in that documentary, they were talking about the Big Red Machine, and it had, of course, Pete Rose, who ought to be in the Hall of Fame it had Joe Morgan who had who of course is a hall of famer and and it had uh, also Tom Seaver mentioned Tom of course because Tom was with Cincinnati for several years in the late 70s and early 80s before he went back to New York and you know that Reds team won two world series and they had uh, several hall of famers Tony Perez early part of the big red machine of course they had him as well they had several hall of famers Tony Perez Joe Morgan Johnny Bench Tom Seaver and again, Pete Rose ought to be there, and and they had a lot of really really good players like George Foster and Ken Griffey Sr., Davey Concepcion. A lot of people think that Davey Concepcion ought to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Cesar Geronimo. I mean, they 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 had some good players. <laughs> had a lot of good players. Don Gullett, who passed away earlier this week, was a Reds pitcher, and he was he was really good. I mean, he didn't have a long career because he had injuries, but you know, Don was really good. And, and, you know, the the Braves, believe it or not, the Braves do have similarities to the Big Red Machine. They have a lot of players who really could be Hall of Fame caliber. And, of course, Acuna is just at the top of that list. But when you see this list of Braves players under contract, I mean, Matt Olsen through 2029, Acuna through 2028, including the option years, Ozzy through 2027, including the option years, Riley through 2033, Hell, we hope we're all here in nine years to see Austin Riley play third base in 2033. Michael Harris through 2032. Murphy and Strider through 2029. I mean, you know, these these guys are just locked up for a long, long time, and that's why you look at this team and say, man, they they could really be special for 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 a big stretch here through the end of this decade. I mean, we've got... We've got, you know, six years left in this decade of the 20s. And so we're, you know, about halfway through with it, obviously. And the Braves have already won one World Series. And with all the talent there, I mean, you got to realize that Olsen, Riley, Harris, and Murphy and Strider could all be with this team in 2029. you got your first baseman, your third baseman, your center fielder, and your catcher could all be with this team in, in five seasons, five years. Uh, not a lot of teams can say that. So the, the potential for longevity with this Braves team winning as they are is is very high. And that that's, that, that that's what's so amazing with this team. And to think that they've already got a superstar. They don't have to worry about getting a superstar. They've got a superstar. They've got Ronald Acuna Jr. He is the MVP. He is one of the best players in the sport. And he has that talent that is, I mean, who do you compare him to? who the hell can hit 40 home runs and steal 70 bases? You know, uh, that's impossible to do. So, it, you know, I'm, I'm glad that Justin Toscano kind of cleared that up because, again, the national media can go run with stuff that they have no idea what they're talking about. But, um, you know, I, I I never perceived that that comment that was made was, uh, oh, God, I want a new contract or I'm unhappy. You can – believe that that could be the case because of the fact that he's paid so low an amount and one day I would love for someone to pay me 17 million dollars and say he's vastly underpaid but still um, you know I, I, I just think that uh, the, those comments were kind of misconstrued a little bit he was just saying that he loved the Braves and he wants to be there forever so that's good so do we Georgia leads in their game up in Athens right now seven to two Charlie Conning got intentionally walked, which is going to happen about 100 times this year probably. And the uh, dogs now up 7-2 to two on a line drive single to center by Jordan that drove in two runs. So a good start for the Bulldogs there in Athens with the first game of the college baseball season. Haven't seen a score about Georgia Tech. Uh, Alex, uh, find me a Georgia Tech score. And again, Mercer will play coming up at 6 o'clock. We're at Victory Lane Auto Sales here in Warner Robins. 2600 Watson Boulevard. 2600 Watson Boulevard. You can give them a call here at 922-8870. 922-8870. They are open night until seven. They are open tomorrow 9 a.m. until five, and uh, closed on Sundays. But they are always here, staffed with uh, a great group of people to help you select your new vehicle. So give them a call here or stop by at uh, 2600 Watson Boulevard. And go online at victorylaneautos.com. Alex just came through in the clutch. The Yellow Jackets are down six to five in the bottom of the second inning, which means pitching is nowhere near on opening day for the Yellow Jackets. That's not good. All right, four seven eight six four six ESPN. We love to hear from you. We're talking a lot of baseball today. You can talk about that. What do you think Ronald Acuna is worth? How much do you think Ronald Acuna could get if he were a free agent right now? Just for the fun of it. I mean, he's not going anywhere. He's getting paid $17 million, But how much is Ronald Acuna worth to the Atlanta Braves? 478-646-ESPN. We're at Victory Lane Auto Sales, and we're back on The Bill Shank Show.